Grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were a vendor in the temple that day that Jesus came, you have been shocked. Because you have had everything set up, everything that you were selling, and you were selling it for a good cause. You were selling it for you and your family to support your everyday life. But then Jesus would come through, and he would toss the tables, and money would go flying across the court in the temple, and there was nothing you could do about it. It was hard work setting things up. You would get there early in the morning, you would make sure that everything was nicely placed on your table or wherever you were selling so that people could see it and that they would come to you to buy from you so that you could make enough money for you and your family. And so early in that morning, setting it up, making sure it would catch someone's eye as they walked by, and then you would do everything you could to passionately sell the products that you had, and you knew that people would buy it. Because you had a good spot. You were in the temple. It didn't maybe start that way, but for the sake of you and your family, you made it that way. You wanted to make sure you had the right spot, the best spot, so that you can make the most amount of money and live comfortably your life. And maybe the first time you went into the, the temple courts, maybe you were the, one of the only ones, maybe there were a few others, but it maybe felt a little bit odd to be there. The place where everyone's worshiping, there you had your stuff that you were selling. You were either a money exchanger or selling animals for sacrifices or sell, selling other things that they needed for worship. But then over time, you got comfortable with it. Because who did it really hurt? You were there in that temple where people needed you to be. They needed sacrifices, and so rather than walking outside the temple, they could go to you right there and buy and go right to the priest and give their sacrifice. And so over time, you began to believe this really isn't so bad at all. It's a win-win situation. The people who come to worship, they can buy right there. I can be seen by everyone who comes in with everything that I have and everything that they need, and so that I get to support my family. And it was okay until that day when Jesus came. And he came in, flipping tables, brandishing a whip made out of cords in the temple, and driving out people and animals in a stampede. You probably wondered what was so bad about it. What's so bad about having my business right there in the temple? Well, the disciples realized what Jesus was doing really quickly. And we see Jesus like we never really see him. For most of Jesus' life, we see him as the kind and compassionate Savior that he is. He's there to bind up the brokenhearted. He's there to, to comfort the lost. And yet here he walks into the temple with a totally different attitude and a totally different mode of doing things. Rather than cutting people with his words, sharing the, the gospel, letting the Holy Spirit work on people's hearts, he used his hands. He used his strength. And we see him throwing things around almost violently. That's not how Jesus typically works. 
You see, when he talks to his disciples and his disciples do something wrong, you always hear the, the word rebuke. He doesn't physically take it out on them. When he talks to the Pharisees who are attacking him, you, you hear the words rebuke. You, you don't see him wrestling them to the ground and saying, that's not what's right. And throughout his ministry, you hear him use his words to share the Holy Spirit that would cut their hearts and then mend them up with the truth. It was his words that were the weapon, but here it was his hands. As he tossed things aside, as he drove people out of the temple. And if you were a vendor, you'd maybe wonder, why? Is it so very bad to be selling things right there? Can't my business and God get along hand in hand? Well, as we see Jesus' destruction of the temple, we really see it's his preservation of the temple. As we begin to read in John chapter 2, in the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Jesus saw what was happening. How could worship really begin when you're in a market? You see, how, when would worship begin? Was it when you paid your money for your sacrifice or the, the two seconds it took to, to take to the priest and say, here's my sacrifice, then you moved on? Was that worship? Was it worship in reverence? when you hear the cacophony of sounds that are around you and people bartering for, for certain animals and goods, could you really focus on what God and, and his love and his peace had given you? Was it really worship thanking God for, for what he had given you and, and the next moment going and trying to get the cheapest price for the, the thing that you want to buy? That's why Jesus came in and turned tables over. Worship was being destroyed. The temple was being invaded. And the disciples began to realize what Jesus was doing. He said in verse 17, His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Disciples saw Jesus' actions and they understood he's zealous for God's house a place of worship, a place of reverence, a place that is sacred where God has come to meet his people and and there it's been invaded with vendors and businessmen and noise. And here all the vendors set up early in the morning trying to to sell everything that they had, putting it up nicely. At the end of the day, the whole place is left a mess. What reverence is there for the Father's house? What worship can be found there? Is it only worship of profit and gain? You see, the temple was much more than just a church building like ours. 
The temple for thousands of years was the way in which God was present with his people. There at the front of the temple was a place called the Most Holy Place. In that Most Holy Place was the Ark of the Covenant, the thing that God says, when this is with you, then I am with you. And no one could go into that most holy place because no one could stand before God with their sins and their wickedness. And yet here we see the world encroaching on the sacred, on the holy, on the divine. And what upset Jesus the most was that there was no zeal for the Father's house. Jesus did what he did not only to send a message to the vendors and the businessmen, but to every single person that came into that temple, where's the zeal? Because those teachers of the law and priests, they certainly understood this wasn't right. And yet they turned a blind eye to this market. It seemed like no one was complaining as they came in to worship. It was actually convenient for them. And so it continued on. And so Jesus found a place that really worship wasn't. People have become so accustomed to simply carrying out these religious tasks rather than sitting down, worshiping God, meditating reverently on who God is and what he has done, seeing their their desperate need for God coming to them in their lives, they couldn't see that because there were the vendors, the markets. There was no zeal. It was gone. Even the Jews there said to Jesus, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? They didn't even ask, why are you doing all this? They knew why he was doing it. They just were concerned about their authority. We're in charge here. We're letting this happen. So who are you, Jesus, to come in and change what we've done for so long? Who who are you to change the, the way in which we do things, how we do things, and change what is so convenient for the people and these vendors? Everyone wins off of this, and yet they fail to see the temple and worship did not win. It was being destroyed. The world encroached on the sacred. How can one person know the difference between worship and business when they're so intertwined and mixed? Where's the zeal? When we talk about the temple and Christ's church and apply this to, to our lives, it's not like we apply to our church building. That's, that's not the church. The church is the church of Christ. You and I being living stones built into this spiritual temple. Jesus even hints at that as he goes on to, to claim his authority and he says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Jesus wasn't talking about the temple there, the physical temple that they were in. Instead, he was talking about his body, as he says. But the temple has, 
The temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he said. Then they believed scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Jesus says, my temple is my body. You and I who believe, we together are Christ's temple. And so, where is the zeal? Where is the zeal for my temple? As we continue to grow in in word and sacrament, where is the zeal? Because sometimes we act like that vendor who sits there and we think to ourselves, the things I do are for the good of my family. The business I do is for the good of my children. The time I spend on myself is for the good of my people, my relatives. And yet, how often doesn't that get in the way of our relationship with God? How often don't we become zealous for our own profit rather than zealous for the profit of Christ's temple? How often doesn't it happen that rather than worshiping God, we find opportunity to do things for ourselves? We find opportunity to make a little bit more money for our family, to have a little more time to enjoy to myself, and yet we leave God's temple empty. world encroaching on the sacred, the very place where God meets you and me as sinners. He destroyed himself for us. Just like the the Pharisees and the teachers and the vendors, they were destroying worship in that temple. One day that physical temple would be destroyed. And, and, and the temple that Jesus spoke about to himself would be destroyed. Why? Because of all our sins, all of our wickedness, all of our irreverence towards God. We destroyed Christ. But then he rose again in three days so that we might not be destroyed. So that God would still be with us just as he was in that most holy place. Now he is with us in Christ in our hearts. So where's the zeal? Where's the zeal for his temple as as we go about trying to reach the lost and the broken? And yet so often we think that's, I got better things to do. Where's the zeal and the love as so often we're concerned about ourselves rather than our fellow Christians who are part of the church? Christ is the temple. Christ is our king. And he wants to be first. First of all, he deserves it. He died for our sins. He he was destroyed for us and he rose to life again, not just to, to make his temple himself, but to make us part of that temple. Lasting living stones, eternal life. That's the life he has given us. He he deserves our praise and our glory. And he also wants to be first because it's good for us. Because as we are in Christ, we grow closer to him, and he gives us the blessings that he so clearly has proclaimed to us. Life, salvation, eternal life. 
It's hard work setting up our lives. Maybe like that vendor, it was hard work where we every morning get up and, and do everything that we can for our family, for our life here. But sometimes God says, that's not what you need. You need zeal for my temple. Zeal for my church. Zeal to carry out what the church is called to do. To reach the lost. To go and baptize and teach. Because in doing, Christ works us into his temple and builds us up in him. It might be hard to see it, but sometimes, like a vendor, we work so hard for where we are in our life. But if we begin to see that separating us from Christ, from the temple, maybe we need to see Jesus come in and flip some tables and throw things around. Because he wants to share this message with us. It's not this life that is important, but it's eternal life. Seek eternal life. Have zeal for my church. And you know what? All these other things I will give to you. You don't have to worry about them. I'll take care of you. And as you grow in zeal and love, you get to share that same love and zeal with those who are lost and broken, who can't see themselves as, as part of Christ's temple, but only see Christ as something that is far off, far-reaching. Where's our zeal? To go reach a changing world. Where's our zeal when, when it comes time to change the congregation and, and to look to the needs of others rather than to us? Where's our zeal to go and do that? That can be found in Christ, our King, who wants to be first. He deserves it. And being first, he blesses us through it. <coughs> May we find that zeal as we grow every day to understand our King and how a blessing it is for him to be first. Amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed printed for you on page 5 in your bulletin. We confess. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. And is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead, life of the world to come. Amen.